Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Welcome to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. Today is a guest episode and I am pleased to bring on Nicola Peake to talk with me today. Nicola grew up as an only child in a council house in Birmingham. She left school at 16 and she didn't really enjoy it and all she wanted to do was work. At 17, she luckily landed a job in a bank and she could see how she could progress and make money. By 20, Nicola was a young mum, progressing into new roles within the bank. And within a few years, she was a qualified financial advisor. She was the cycle breaker. After spending over 20 years in financial services, in 2020, Nicola decided to walk away from her career. This was after two years of challenges, which led her to lose everything she had worked so hard to build. It was the lowest point in her life, but she was not willing to be a victim. And she decided to create her own new business, Shoelicious, which was an afternoon tea delivery company. Deciding that working alone was not something she enjoyed, Nicola made the tough decision to sell Shoelicious despite the six-figure business she had built it up to be and to use the opportunity to create a business which she knew she would love for life. In December 21, she opened Peaks Private Members Club and within weeks there were 90 new members. Nicola found her purpose and what she loved doing. Nicola's passion is to bring other self-made, successful female business owners together to create real connection and unlock the value in collaborations and joint ventures, as well as help them to grow their own businesses into ones they continue to love. Welcome to the podcast, Nicola. It is so good to have you here and to have this conversation with you. Hello, how are you, Leslie? I am really, really well. I'm going to ask you the same question I ask all my guests. What is your money story? <laughs> um, I guess my money story, there's probably quite a few over the last 44 years. Um, I've always wanted money and I've never been shy to say that kind of from a very early age, so I grew up on a council estate. My mom still lives in that house today. And I went to, in senior school, I went to kind of a nice school in a nice area. So at the nice school in the nice area, all my friends were, you know, your typical, they had their mom and dad, but I just lived with my mom. Um, they had siblings, they had a car, they went on holidays, they had the nice house. 
And I always just looked at that in from an envious point of view, thinking, I want that. I want that. I want that. And then as I got to 16, I went to work for a hotel, a big hotel in Birmingham. Um, I think I was 15, actually. I don't think I was supposed to be working, but I was. Um, And I loved it because suddenly, okay, it's not a lot of money, but suddenly every Friday I was getting a little brown envelope with a load of cash in that I could just go and spend. And it was just mine. That's an amazing Um, feeling, isn't it, when that happens? Oh, yeah. And I'd be going to Birmingham and I could be going to the Oasis market and buying a new Lycra dress to go out clubbing in. (laughs) Really classy. Um, (laughs) I just love having my own money and my own independence and you know, that was started there at 15. And then I decided that I should get a proper job. Now, I just left school. I didn't really enjoy school that much. I didn't want to go to college. I tried two colleges and left both. I used to ring the hotel from the college and go, can I come in and work? And Jean, who was the manager at the time, I go, no, you can't. Your mum will kill me. And I'd be like, please, Jean, please. And she'd go, oh, you can get you on a shift here. So then I'd leave college and go and work. <laughs> Um, and then I got a job in a bank. Bizarrely, I got an E in maths at school. I wouldn't say I was the most academic. Didn't really like revising. And then suddenly I got this job working for a bank and I was like, oh, like, this is good. And I was just working on the tills. Um, then went to another bank. So that was the Woolwich, if you remember the Woolwich back in the days. And then I left there. Was it a bank or a building society? I think it might be the building society. Yeah, I think it was. And then I went to TSB before it was Lloyd's TSB. Um, And then from there, it was that kind of, I could see people earning this good money and people had company cars and people had nice things. And um, I was getting to 17, 18. I thought, I want that. So I just kind of, I was stubborn. I was young. I was gobby. And I was like, I want that. I'm going to bloody get it. So I worked really hard then and I did all my exams and I become... Um, an advisor selling loans I was one of those people that was selling PPI on the loans because if you didn't you got your ass kicked at the end of the day so (laughs) so it's like you know you you, were selling all those and I was always doing really well I was always top of the league tables I was earning a really nice salary in my early 20s probably earning 30 35 grand which was seemed a load of money then and you get these nice big bonuses Um, But I was a young mum, so I had my daughter when I was 20. So as part of all that whole world back then, being a young mum in kind of a banking industry, which was quite male, like they used to send out league tables to all the branches and at the top it would be the single mum's top this week or single mum's this, and that would go to every branch across the Midlands. But I suppose it just drove me more because I was like, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, you are. So fuck you. (laughs) I'll prove you wrong. And then like having this other child, I not only wanted money for me, I wanted money for her. And I was very like 18, my first car when I got a brand new Peugeot 106 on finance because I could. Yeah. Never really had any life lessons in money. I just went to work for a bank at 17, saw all these people having all this stuff, saw these people having credit cards, loans and thought it was normal. So I had my first car on finance. I had my first mortgage by the time I was 19. Then I had Georgia. Me and her dad split up. At 23, I bought my own house. They borrowed me 10 times my income when I was 23. 
you know, worked for the bank. I wasn't a financial advisor yet. I might have been 22. I was young, wasn't mm. a financial advisor yet. But I was just doing what I thought everyone was doing. Everyone was borrowing money. And it was that time where I was borrowing money to clients. I was seeing customers. I was giving credit cards. And I ended up with a lot of debt because I just wanted, wanted, wanted. Yeah without thinking of the consequences of I've now got to pay this stuff. Um, I'm probably one of the only people that bought and sold about four or five houses throughout the boom and walked away with nothing. Like we sold houses, we made a lot of money. Me and um, George's dad were always on off, on off, on off. So he still lives in the last house that I bought when we were together to this day. I, it was in my name. And by the time we split up, I could stand in the living room and see the roof because it really just gutted it. He's a tradesman. I wasn't. So I just had to go, you have the house and sign yeah. it over to him. Mm-hmm. So then I ended up buying a Barrett's home. I ended up having to sell that. I had negative equity. So all these things I did throughout my whole life, trying to give myself a nicer life, trying to have nice things. What I actually did is just got into a hell of a lot of debt mm-hmm. because of it. Um and then, you know, I started to get that paid off, met Rob and I married. Um, things were difficult to start with because I went self-employed. So I left the bank in 2009 and I went self-employed and it was just before the whole banking crisis. Yeah. So on one part, I was really grateful because I didn't lose my job. I didn't have to be investigated. I didn't have to go and have all those interviews. Like Lloyd's were fined a fortune because of what we were told to do um but on the other hand some of the people were getting made redundant and coming out with 100 grand checks and I was like oh that could have been me you know um but I was self-employed at the time then we had our my second child so then I was off work and started to see the spiral started to happen again and I was like no I'm not doing this I'm not doing this again but I still did all the wrong things I sold my house thinking we could get back on the property ladder because I had tenants in there. I had a really nasty break-in. That's another story. Mm. And I moved out of the house, um, rented it out for a while. And then me and Rob were just renting. We're still renting now because we've never been able to get back onto that property ladder after selling. Um, I then, you know, was doing really well. I had my own business under a big practice, big company. I was earning six figures plus having really nice months managed to get rid of a lot of debt had hardly any debt but I still spent I've still got this thing where I just can't keep money in my pocket I was a financial advisor for 15 years I had 200 clients I was brilliant at my job I was telling them how to invest telling them about emergency funds giving them the advice dealing with people's estates inheritance tax but myself shocking shocking I just couldn't keep money in my pocket which now I'm starting to learn is probably a whole mini mindset thing from a young age yeah um and we were doing great me and Rob were living in a lovely big farmhouse that we were renting but we could afford to live in this lovely farmhouse (laughs) Daisy had what she wanted I bought my daughter a car for her 18th still being the 18 year old I was I was like she's got to have a new car I didn't get that from my family so I want her to have it had a personalised number plate, had a big red bow put on the car. And she was really embarrassed and like, she loved it, don't get me wrong. But like she said, as we got in the kitchen and she meant this in the loveliest way, she wasn't ungrateful at all. But she's like, mom, just stop trying to give me what you didn't have. I don't need it. And I was like, 
Wise words. Advice from my child. Yeah. And it was like that kind of, she lives in London now. She's a shit driver. She hasn't drove since she passed the test. (laughs) So we sold that car. Um, But it was that cycle again there's always been this cycle and even though I was doing really well I was still spending and spending and spending then four or five years ago the practice I was under um can't really go into a lot of detail about it but basically everything I'd built up the value in the business that I had kind of just all went lost it all and then I was back at age 40 with 100 grand's worth of debt between me and my husband because we had two years having to live on credit. Um, lost my nice four before Jag. <laughs> you know, all the nice things that I had just went. But then we went into lockdown. I've decided, do you know what? I've just had enough and I just give the whole career up and set up a new business, which was completely different. Mm-hmm. And still that business did fantastic. Turned over six figures in the first 12 months. Didn't draw any money out for myself. Every single penny that business brought in, I invested, I invested, I invested. And although I wasn't spending it, I wasn't wasting it, I wasn't buying cars and shit and clothes and shoes and stuff like that, I still couldn't keep it in my pocket. Mm. <laughs> and then like now my business now I absolutely love. And I I'm, I don't mind investing, but I'm now working to the point where I will never go back there. I can see how easy it is because my mind will wonder and I'll see shiny objects but I'm like, no, this is now my chance to make the money I've always wanted to make, not make the same mistakes that I seem to make every few years, get into that trap of, oh, I'm doing all right now. Of course, I can afford that. I'm doing OK now. Of course, I can afford that. I've had my fingers burnt enough to have learned my lesson, hopefully, by 44 nearly. <laughs> I'm hoping I've learned my lesson and getting somewhere. And, you know, I'm not at the point where I can sit here yet and say, and I've paid off all my debt and look at me and I'm doing amazing. My business is going well. My second business done six figures in the first year as well. So I'm really proud of what I've achieved. But the money story is still there where I can't go back and make those mistakes again. So I've worked with some people on self-mastery and looked at money mindset. And now it's a case of, right, it doesn't have to go. It's okay to just stay there absolutely (laughs) yeah absolutely you know this this there's so much that you you've said there that I'm hoping I've I've kind of clocked it and I've made I've made some notes as well yeah were you expecting my answer to be that long (laughs) not at all no it's a long or as short as you want it to be absolutely and it's fascinating to have that level of detail and I know the listeners appreciate when they get that level of detail because it means that they can see in others, what's going on for them as well. Yeah. And I think yeah. that, that helps other people when they they know they're not alone and when they know yeah. that people have gone through either what they're going through or what they've been through. So thank you yeah. very much for sharing that. But one of the things that you said, you know, when you were 16 or 17, getting your first car, getting it on finance, you thought it was normal. Yeah. I think that's because... It is normal. It has been normalized that you don't have to save for what you want. You can go out and buy a car on HP. You can get a credit card and go to a department store and buy yourself a whole new wardrobe of clothes. And because when we are at school, 
we aren't educated about the cost of credit and how that can impact your future. You know, I've spoken before on the podcast when I went to university um, I'd, I'd worked every Saturday, every school holiday. I you know, I bought myself a TV. I bought myself a wardrobe full of clothes, university, et cetera. But when, when I went to university, the credit card application came through the door. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to have all this money. And yeah. all I have to pay back is this amount. Oh, wow. No. I'm quids in. And I use that card to great effect, you know, ridiculous effect. You know, yeah. I'd go to Marks and Spencer's. On a Friday, I buy champagne and strawberries. I treat my flatmates to champagne and strawberries. Because as a student, of course, that's what you do. <laughs> so I think that is the thing. We It is normalized in yeah. our society that because you can on paper afford to have that amount of money given to you, we don't actually class it as debt. We class it as credit, and it's actually the opposite of credit. It is debt. So I think, I I think, you know, I think that is a big thing that is changing now. You know, without a shadow of a doubt, but needs to be taught to children much, much sooner than as adults learning that lesson. Because I think that's the problem. We're not taught that lesson. We have to learn it. The painful way when we look back and we think, sorry, I've got how much in credit card debt? I'm overdrawn. It adds up without you really looking. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, and I've read this summer somewhere, financial advisors are some of the worst people when it comes to not being able to manage their finances and not taking on the really, really good advice that they give. Give everyone else. <laughs> their clients, yeah. exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even like, so I never used to look at it from a mindset point of view. I Like, if I'm being completely honest, before coming and working in this online world, I didn't even really know what money mindset, what any kind of mindset was. Yeah. Just It was just me. But looking back now and looking at the clients that I had these really great relationships with, and I'd be sat in their homes, every six months got on with them really well and although I was I was always me I wasn't really me because I can't really sit there and tell them what I'm going through but you also you're seeing what you want to be like so I'm sat there not jealous but kind of envious like oh look at these business owners look how much they're earning look at this amazing house I'm sat in look at their car so it's all like whether that is because you you want something so much, what do you actually do? You just sabotage yourself that it never actually happens for you. Yeah. And whether that's why a lot of financial advisors end up like that, because we're working with wealthy people all the time. And you may be trying to be like them or get have their success. It's I will be back after this short break. Financial awareness is not taught in enough schools which means children are not receiving the level of information needed to help them become money savvy. With 87% of 11 to 18 year olds saying they have limited knowledge about managing money, only four in 10 children and young people saying they've had some financial education at school and research demonstrating that those who don't receive 
financial education as a child are more likely to be unemployed or earning less today than those who did. This is why I have developed the Money and Mindset Made Simple for Teenagers online self-paced programme to help our children to empower their knowledge of and relationship with money. As a parent, you want to equip your children with the essential life skills to allow them to thrive in today's fast-moving world. So go to the show notes to access full details for the programme. If you are a school or institute that would like to use the programme under licence, then reach out directly to me via email leslie at themoneyconfidenceacademy.com. Now, let's return to the show. But what's interesting, yeah, what is interesting, um, and I only discovered this over the summer, I was listening to um, a successful um, financial advisor talking on a podcast, and he works with lots of wealthy footballers, um, helping them to set themselves up for post their football careers. Yes, yeah. 60%, 60% of the wealthiest footballers when they retire, lose all their money. Wow. Because they are so used to having it in the moment that when they've no longer got that salary and need to be more savvy, they're not because they haven't given themselves that discipline. They haven't looked at what their outgoings are. They can't just go to a showroom and go for their third or fourth Lamborghini because they're now having to live off their assets as opposed to their income coming in. So I think it's it's it. I think that is something that is true for so many people that we do have a tendency to live in the here and absolutely. Rather than thinking, well, it's you know, we've got to live our lives now, absolutely. But at the same time, there has to be part of the brain that entertains what I'm building now is also going to be supporting me in the future. Future, yeah. Yeah. And I think at 44, nearly, I'm starting to like have that realization because I have, I've always lived in the moment. I've always been like. If I want a holiday, I'll book a holiday. If I want to do this, I'll do this. I've always lived in the moment of going, using the excuse of I might not be here tomorrow. I might not be here tomorrow. And telling myself and believing that's why it's okay for me to live like that. Yeah. And part of it, I've had a really lovely life. I've had nice cars. I've lived in lovely houses. We've had lovely holidays. My kids have had lovely holidays. They've had everything they want. So I'm not sitting here going, oh, worries me. Because actually, yes, okay, I've got debt now. But I have had all those nice things, which in a way, would I rather have the debt and look back and think I've done nothing for 30 years? There is that balance. But the thing that I think as well, when I look back at the last few years of working as an advisor and all the crap I was going through, what I would do, so one of the things I would do is I would go online and I'd buy a shed load of stuff for both my girls, bits for me and Rob. And then the driver would pull up with massive big bags of clothes. And this would probably be every two, three weeks. And I'd empty them all out onto my bed. And I'd be like, Daisy, Georgia, come on, come and look at all the clothes. And I'd be giving them all the clothes and stuff. And then an hour later, I'd be sat on the sofa feeling really shit. Mm. 
And I think it's that instant pleasure feeling that constantly craving because I was so low by me buying something and giving stuff to them made me feel really good. Yeah. But then an hour later, and then when I got the statement through, because it was going on credit, I'd be like, why have I done that? And then I had an operation. I was sat at home and I went to all of my friend's houses and she lives not far from me and she's got a swimming pool. And she was like, let me look after you for the day. Come round, dip your feet in. I'll look after you. And it was a beautiful day. So then I got home and I was like, I want a swimming pool. Now, I couldn't obviously just have a swimming pool, dug, But I went and bought one of those massive, big, fucking above ground pools on my phone in the afternoon and then said to Rob, I've ordered us a pool for the garden. He was like, okay, when it called me, he was like, what are you playing at? And it was purely just like that instant gratification, that instant pleasure. Emotional hit. Yeah, and we could have got divorced over it. I had to clean the damn thing and the chemicals and everything we argued. (laughs) We ended up selling it. But it's like, why do we do this? And, you know, and that's exactly, I think so few people really understand the emotional relationship that they have with money. But actually, it's not that. It's the emotional relationship they're having with themselves and the outlet is the spending money. You get that dopamine hit. You get that emotional high. But then you get buyer's remorse very, very quickly after it, you know, the kind of the, you know, the cocaine high, because you do liken it going out some people buying, you know, that Versace handbag or that new top of the range car. It's like a cocaine hit. But once you've done it and you've bought it, you're suddenly thinking, how am I going to pay for it? But at the yeah. same time, or why have I just spent that money? Exactly. Sometimes it was money, like the pool, I think, cost me two and a half grand. And I just, I'd had a good month and bought it. Then afterwards, like, why have I done that? Yeah. Why have I done that? I should have just paid it off. Yeah. But then I would have done it again with something else. I would have bought something else or a holiday or something. Something would have followed. That would have had that same level of expenditure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to get you afterwards to do my money archetypes assessment because it's sounding to me like there's definitely a romantic archetype going on there. And the romantic archetype does love to splash the cash on other people, really enjoys the feeling of others benefiting, you know, from what they have but will very often put themselves in a financially uncomfortable position in order to make other people appreciate them and feel appreciated as well. So I'm going to send that to you afterwards because I think the results of that could be very, very interesting. interesting. What, What made you leave the security of a salaried job to move into being a business owner, being an entrepreneur? Because that's, you know, that's quite a big leap for a lot of people. So when I left the bank to leave, because even as a financial advisor, I was employed by the bank for like 20 odd years. And then I left there to go self-employed. I actually did go employed again. So then I went to NFU Mutual and I loved that working with farmers, was brilliant, loved it. And I was very good then. I had a Volvo because I didn't want to be pulling up on a farm in a four before so a Volvo is always safe and I love my Volvos to be honest um but for me and then obviously I left there because I was like oh I can I want to run my own business I want to do it myself and again it was money 
why I gave that security up, that pension, the company car, the life cover, the death and service, everything I had, because I could see that actually staying where I was, I think I was getting to like 70, 80 grand and the car and stuff. And I kind of knew I was never going to be like the guys that were doing absolute top. But then I don't know how much would the be only maybe 150 grand. So I was thinking, well, if I go on my own, like if I sold that self-employed, that would be double the amount of earnings. So just working it out that way. So literally that's always driving me was money. It, that's all it was, was like, I can have my own business. It will be my name. I've got my clients and I'll earn more money. But then the reality that comes with that is, yes, but then you've got to pay your own tax, your own national insurance. You've got to get a car and fund it. You've got to get your own life cover. You've got all these other things. You've got your, you know, all your license fees, your insurances and all the other stuff that goes alongside it. That like when you're looking at a shiny object, you try to block all those things out. Um, And then I was self-employed for four or five years. But why I left there to do what I do, I'm not allowed to discuss, but um, I could have just gone and carried on as a financial advisor somewhere else. So before lockdown, I was having interviews. I was looking around at different places. And I just honestly, the, the where I was at that point in my life was really not a good place to be. I was virtually suicidal. I was on loads of medication. So I was having these interviews and I didn't have the passion. So I'd not I'd not been unemployed from the age of 15. I'd, I'd been paying 40, 50 grand a year in tax. And then I couldn't even claim job seekers allowance. You know, and I was just like such a low point. And I'd always been the breadwinner. And I'd always been the one that like treating people, buying stuff for people. And then yeah. suddenly it's all gone. Couldn't do it anymore. And I felt such a failure. So then when we went into lockdown and we were enjoying the weather and sitting in the garden, part of it, and I had Rob at home and had Daisy at home, I was like, this is so much better than what I've been experiencing for the last two or three years. Do I really want to go back into that industry that has driven me to this point? And I know not all like the the industry as such, but I just thought, no, so what can I do? And then just come up with the idea of delivering afternoon teas. Completely different. (laughs) I loved cooking. I loved baking. But by January 2021, I was turning over 20 grand a month delivering them all over the country so that kind of then give me the realizations that actually I can do things if I turn my hand to them I have got the entrepreneurial spirit I've just got to make sure that I don't fuck up this time (laughs) and then you know that business was great sold that business somebody else is running it now and this business now I absolutely love and I'm determined to never ruin what I've created like I just absolutely love it so now it's I want to come back on this show in, say, 18 months and tell you I'm debt-free. That's my aim. <laughs> it's a deal. It's a deal. Yeah. <laughs> I have, and I had another guest um, probably about three or four months ago who uh, used to earn six, six figures. Um, and then through a variety of reasons, um, her business you know, stopped being as successful as it was. And she had always wanted to come on the show but didn't believe she could come on the show because she wasn't earning six figures. Absolutely not at all. So I want to have you on the show 
and then come back on the show when you're earning six figures. So I'm yeah. hoping she'll be back on in 2023. Brilliant. So I want you to come back on as well, because <laughs> I think the fact that, because that was going to be one of the questions I was going to ask you was, and, and it'll it'll lead on from what you've just said then, what are the lessons that you have learned that is going to make you and your business going forward not ever go back to go back. where you've yeah. been? Yeah. So now I don't, the only thing that we have on finance as a family is the car. Rob's got a company car, but I did need a car. So that's it. And that's partly when everything's cleared. And, you know, when you get to the point where you start having people trying to sell your credit cards and stuff all over again, it's just not go down that rabbit hole. I think unless you can be really like structured with it, and you might like people will use it for your AVOs or to get your points or your your petrol. You pay it off every month. Yeah. I'll never get to that point where it's like, oh, should we just stick the holiday on it? Because once you start just thinking, oh, it's just this thing, it's just this thing, we'll pay it off next month. I'll have a good month next month. We'll pay it off. Because what happens is the good month comes, but there's always something else you'll exactly. spend money on. Yeah, absolutely. So I won't allow myself to go down that rabbit hole again. I imagine we'll probably always have car finance because we haven't got just got 30, 40, 50, 60 grand to go and spend on a car. Um, but it is that kind of thinking, just don't make the mistakes again. And also doing what I used to teach, have my emergency fund, you know, have like I use Starling now, so I have all my pots, so structure yeah. the money. So you know what you're saving for your tax, you're saving for your NI, saving for if you want to go into a mastermind or buy a course or anything, have a pot of money for that. Um, I have different pots for events and things. So like I'm so good with all that kind of money in pots. <laughs> it's just any that I draw into my personal account that that's where I need to start being really good with. And just, you know, and actually what I've realized over the last three years is all that stuff I was always feeling I needed to buy and lockdown was probably a big like block, which was brilliant for me because there was nothing no. that needed buying. No. Is actually I don't need any of that stuff. It didn't actually make me happier. When I look back now, I'm happier now without buying shoes all the time and clothes all the time and things. I'm happier now, just been like, you know, wearing my peaks hoodie and, and my leggings. <laughs> like, you know, it's just it's mad. Like you start to, and it sounds a bit cheesy and stuff, but you see what actually is important and having the brand new clothes and shoes and cars isn't all that important, yeah. really. Absolutely. And I th- and I think that was the thing about lockdown is that we actually all started to realise how much we needed to appreciate each other yes. and appreciate connection and being able to establish relationships, etc. Yeah. And that is probably, you know, one of, and there are many, but one of the reasons why what you're doing now is so successful, because yeah. people are desperate to have connection, yeah. desperate to have, um, what's what I'm looking for, experiences, Yes, yeah. And to reconnect because that is what we all missed in lockdown. As you said, it wasn't the ability to go out and buy an outfit for Saturday night. It was actually going out on Saturday Saturday night. night. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So do do you now, you know, you've been you've been in the online world, still in the online world, 
in yeah. that probably a hybrid world now, what has been the best thing for you about this hybrid world? I mean, the business that I've got now, I never, ever, ever would have thought that I would have this, I'd say it's more a lifestyle business that I've created. I absolutely love it. So, you know, I've got my membership where there's 130 amazing people in there. Um, I've got all these new connections. I know all these new amazing people like yourself, Leslie. We've sat, you know, we were stood in the pool on a spa day, just chatting business. Yeah. That's what I love. Um, and it's like, so I've got this, the whole business to run and all the stuff that comes with the business. And then really, it's just the fun part of doing what I do. I mean, I love bringing people together. I love bringing people to make connections. I love seeing people succeed in their business. I love all that. And obviously working as a financial advisor, always worked with people. So every single day I'd be sitting in people's homes, having conversations, building relationships. And when I had Shoelicious and was delivering afternoon teas, that's what I missed. That's what I missed, just people. I was just in the kitchen on my own. And I started to resent the business, mm. which like at the time you don't want to accept because I love it and it was my baby, you know, but I started to resent it because I was like, I want to be out. I want to be doing nice things. So then when the idea for Peaks Private Members Club come around, I was like, actually, I think this could work because I could see people wanted to go out. People wanted to, like, we got in the habit of staying at home, didn't we? It become easier to stay at home. Yeah. But people like, well, if there's something that's going to pull me out of the house, then I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> so by doing like the in-person events and again, like I've said all through this, I like nice things. <laughs> so like I want to do, I don't want to go networking in some dark hotel that's cost me £15 at six o'clock in the morning. I want to go networking with people that want genuine relationships where we go for a nice lunch or we have a spa day or we cold water swim we've done that you know and we do different things and experience different things together because that's where the relationships come together so this whole new online world for me has just been fascinating and to meet so many people I just absolutely love it I've got like the business of my dreams now yeah and I can and I, I can see that and also I can see it is a vehicle that will allow and that's very hard terms but our businesses are a vehicle yeah are a facilitator for what our why is what are yes. our vision of our yeah. life etc particularly when it's a lifestyle business yes. and I can see that what you are building is allowing you to box up and say how your life was before is now yeah. done you've yeah. learned the le- it's, it's taken you to where you are now but you've yeah. learned those lessons and what you are building now is going to solidify your plans going forward to ensure you are debt free and utilizing yeah. your money in the way that you want to yeah. as opposed to be as as opposed to feeling there's a pre- a downward pressure on you to go out and provide for other people but actually at what cost to you yeah and i i, I sense that now that you see that you've got this ability to keep growing and scaling this business that it's giving to you rather than you feeling it's taking something away yeah definitely definitely so what is next for you oh I mean 2023 I have big goals (laughs) so next 
I am launching my own podcast in the new year. I've been putting it off for a while, but I am you going to. said that launch. publicly now, you know that. I know. You <laughs> <laughs> can edit it out. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to launch my podcast in the new year. Um, we've got a collaboration book that we're currently working on at the moment. So that's myself and some members of Peaks. And we've got the collab book coming out around April time. Um, I've got a fantastic retreat lined up next year and then loads of events that I announced yesterday and just growing Peaks and everything I do now is all about bringing people and all funneling back to Peaks. So as you know, we're having the new levels. So people that want to work closer together to do the masterminding and stuff that that we've got those interested levels in there as well for people to work together so yeah it's just always going to be evolving growing listening to what people want and adding in new things but I'm excited for next year and I want to get out and see more of what other people are doing so this year has been very focused obviously it's my first full year running the business and I've just concentrated on my own events my own members doing everything for Peaks Private Members Club. And I've neglected going out networking myself <laughs> and going out and getting involved in other people's events. So I've already booked a retreat um, and I want to get out to more events and meet more people and do more of what other people are working hard on as well. So I'm looking forward to doing that and getting out more. Fantastic. So how can people connect with you? So I'm on Facebook a lot more than anywhere else. Um, so you can just search Nicola Peak and my personal profile will come up. And on there, you've got all the links to anything else. My membership is Peaks Private Members Club. Um, so you'll find a link to that through my personal profile. I am on LinkedIn, trying to get better. <laughs> at I using hear that a lot. I, yeah. I do hear that a lot. <laughs> It's so weird, isn't it? That we have this weird block, but because it's not really any different to Facebook. It's, yeah. But it's, um, you know, it's, I am using it's perception. It. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And don't worry, yeah. all of your details will be in the show notes. So people Brilliant. will be able to easily connect with you. Yeah, that would be lovely. Thank you. Please do. Just send me friends requests. I'll accept everybody. I love friends. <laughs> thank you very much for your time today. No, I've thank loved you. our conversation and I'm looking forward to when you next come on the show with your latest free. Exactly. <laughs> Look forward to it. Thank you very much, Nicola. Thank you, Leslie. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Many and More podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to better understand your relationship with money, then please head to the resources section on my website, the Money Confidence Academy, and download my monthly money mindset audit. This will allow you to create a benchmark for where your relationship with money is right now and allow you to continue to measure it on a monthly basis as you do the inner work to improve it. You will also find a copy of my Money Archetypes Assessment at the same time which will allow you to start to really understand which are your three primary money archetypes driving your relationship with money and how to use this information to make, spend, keep and invest more money. Or if you are a female online business owner, why not join my free Money Confidence community over on Facebook? A link to the group and other ways to connect with me can be found in the show notes. Finally, if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, please do tell others about it 
and I would love it if you rated it and gave a review.